0: T. com. Thanks for spending time with me and let's go into the show. My friends, nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something good for your body. Unprocessed chocolate called cacao is rich in theobromides and PEAs, which are neuroactive alkaloids that boost the neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins in your brain, which make you feel alive and well. In addition, cacao is rich in polyphenols, including EGCG. In fact, it's more potent than green tea in that powerful polyphenolic antioxidant. And that improves the inflammatory process. It helps induce autophagy, where your body literally starts to heal and repair itself. And also that protects you from oxidative stress. Now, my favorite brand of cacao powder is Cacao Bliss, which starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, which allows them to maintain the integrity of their powerful health benefits. Then they take the cacao and they blend it with turmeric, one of the most powerful anti-inflammatory herbs. They use MCT oil, which helped uh, help turn into ketones quickly in your system. They use coconut, they use Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon and black pepper, and they sweeten it with monk fruit for the perfect blend that tastes fantastic and helps balance and stabilize your blood sugar. Now these ingredients, they enhance your mood your memory and your mindset and they really help you experience pure bliss when you consume them and that's why they call it cacao bliss. So if you're a chocolate lover, a superfood enthusiast like me or someone who wants to experience life at a higher level, I invite you to try them out. You can get cacao bliss at this website, earthecofoods.com forward slash David Jockers. That's earth echo or E-C-H-O forward slash David Jockers and use the coupon code, just my first name, David, to get 15% off of your order. Cacao Bliss is a low carb, gluten free, GMO free, vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly superfood powder that you can put in protein shakes. You can throw it in some almond milk, coconut milk. You can replace your coffee with it if you like. You can put it in different baked goods. A lot of people will use it to make different chocolate fat bombs, chocolate muffins, chocolate protein shakes. So try it out today. Again, earthecofoods.com forward slash David Jockers and use the coupon code David to save 15% off today. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We've got an exciting topic today. We're going to talk all about the ketogenic diet, how you can do it with higher protein, how you can do it as a female and do it effectively. And we're also going to talk about how to measure your fat burning state, how to use a simple instrument that you can have around throughout the day. That all it takes is a breath, right? And you can actually test if you're burning fat or not. And so we've got a great guest. This is Vanessa Spina, and she is a sports nutrition specialist, biomedical scientist, and the best-selling author of Keto Essentials, great book. She's an international speaker and host of the popular Fast Keto Podcast, which features a weekly protein series episode. Vanessa founded Ketogenic Girl in 2015, which has an online social media audience of over half a million people. And several several thousand people have gone through her Ketogenic Girl Challenge program, which serves to optimize metabolic health with nutrient-dense real food nutrition. And Vanessa just launched a brand new product called the Tone Device, which measures breath acetone. That is a ketone detected on the breath. And this is really exciting because you know, if you're like me, you don't like doing blood pricks. Like I freak out every time I try to prick my finger to see <laughs> if my see what my blood sugar and my blood ketone levels are. I greatly prefer uh, using a breath measurement. and there are several out there, but some are very, very challenging to use, and she has really simplified this. and so we're I'm excited to talk about that. Vanessa, welcome to the podcast.
1: Wow, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, you started your site uh, in 2015, which was really, you know, fairly early, you know, ketogenic lifestyle has really picked up in popularity over the last several years. I know I first discovered it in really about 2011, 2012, but there was very little information on the internet. And so you were very, uh, really an early pioneer in this. So let's talk about how you got started with a ketogenic lifestyle.
1: Sure, I would love to. I mean, I really found it through my own I like to say desperation in trying to fix my health. Um, you know, one of the biggest things for me is I always felt like I wasn't fit inside my body. Like I would go and see my doctor and say, you know, I just, I don't feel like a fit person. I feel like I'm, you know, sort of fat and I just don't feel good about my appearance or how I feel in my body. I don't body confidence. And my doctor would always be like, you know, don't worry, you're at a healthy weight, you know, you, you look fine, like you're, you know, you're obsessing. And you know, he always would dismiss my concerns. And it wasn't until I started learning about body composition. And I had a body scan done and found out that I was close to 40% body fat, even though on the outside, I was sort of like a toffee, like thin on the outside, Mm -hmm. fat on that on the inside. And I didn't realize my body fat was so high. And even my scan tech, when he did it, he thought there was a mistake because, you know, you really couldn't tell from the outside, but I always felt like I wasn't fit internally. And when I started understanding body composition, I started understanding, you know, how to change my body composition and doing keto. I first was able to recompose my body after four years of keto with down to about 34%. So it was a big change. And I felt really good about that. Then I started doing higher protein modified keto, and I was able to get down to 21% body fat in just two years. And I wasn't working out during that time I was in school. And I was just amazed by the results. So I've been talking about sort of this higher protein approach to keto for a few years and making it my mission for people to understand the power of protein and muscle protein synthesis and how important it is to know what your body is actually composed of. Because if you don't feel good in your body, you know, and everyone's sort of telling you like that, you know, it's all in your head or whatever, and you realize you know, that you can actually get your body scanned to see what's your bone density, what's your bone mass, how much skeletal muscle do you have? And I think for men, this comes more easily, you know, men tend to focus more on their skeletal muscle and, you know, having big muscles, but women don't focus on that as much. We focus more on losing fat and getting toned, but it really is the same thing. So when I found out that I could really alter my body composition with keto. It's something that I really started to pursue quite passionately. And I started the blog just as a hobby. I was working in finance. I used to be a news anchor and I loved my job, but I was never really that fulfilled by it. And gradually my hobby started to just take over and become so popular that I ended up leaving that career and starting the blog. And that was in 2015, as you said, and I've been doing it full-time ever since, in between going back to school. But uh, it's just been amazing. And I really feel so fulfilled from working in this field because I see the difference that it makes in people's lives. Whereas when I worked in finance, I kind of was just helping rich people make more money. (laughs) It wasn't very satisfying. Um, So it's been amazing. And um, I just love this community of, of people and working in this space.
0: Well, that's great. And, you know, there's so many people that are worried when it comes to protein. I know I've posted things on my Instagram or different social media about consuming a certain amount of protein. And people are like, that just seems like so much. And people will ask questions like, will that affect my kidneys? There's so much concern about it. So can you help clear the air on what protein is, how our body metabolizes it, why it's so important to be as a foundational component of our diet?
1: Yeah. So I actually found this question so intriguing and so confusing that I went back to university to study biochemistry and biomedical science in a two-year program to understand what protein actually is, you know, what is it actually doing in our bodies? Because I was reading one thing and the other thing, and I was so confused. I just couldn't make sense of it. So I was like, I have to go study biochemistry and understand this for myself so I can better explain it to people. And What I realized is that, you know, there's really the main difference between our macros comes down to whether we have building blocks, you know, which are protein or energy. And energy comes in two forms, which is really carbohydrates, which we call carbohydrates, or hydrocarbons or lipids, which we call fats. And those are really the energy macronutrients, whereas protein is not an energy macronutrient. It can be oxidized for energy, but it really is primarily our building blocks It, you know, when you talk about eating protein, you know, we, I focus a lot on how to activate muscle protein synthesis but we need protein for everything in our bodies from our hair to our tissues not just scale to muscle but also our bones our mineralized protein our hormones hormones that are peptide based like insulin are made of protein so our body always prioritizes building all of those tissues and hormones that we have in our bodies and then We also have this other component, which is building skeletal muscle, which keeps us strong. And we have to prioritize these building blocks of protein in order to prevent muscle protein breakdown. So we have, you know, muscle protein synthesis, which is activating, you know, the initiation of building more protein, but we also have this muscle protein breakdown. And it's the balance between those two forces that, you know, determines how much muscle we actually maintain and build so i like to look at macros in terms of you know energy macros you know when we get carbons from our food and building blocks which make up you know so much of our bodies and that's why prioritizing protein is so important but it also comes down to our appetites appetite correction appetite drives is actually a lot of our appetite is driven by our need to get essential amino acids And so I found for myself that when I started prioritizing protein, that I had this effortless appetite correction. So for years, I struggled with food addiction, overeating. And when I started prioritizing protein, I started just feeling satiated, feeling full, and I stopped thinking about food all the time. So I had that effect. But also there is this muscle protein synthesis aspect where you can become more lean by making sure you get adequate protein at every meal because you are triggering this muscle protein synthesis and therefore you are building more muscle and this helps you to get lean and lower your body fat percentage as well.
0: Yeah, really interesting. So you're saying that consuming a certain amount of protein puts your body in a state where It's, I guess, at least for uh, a period of time, uh, anabolic and and maintaining or even growing muscle. Now, obviously, you want to add in exercise with that um, to help really grow the the muscle, but it's helping maintain that lean body mass. Now, you also mentioned hormones. Consuming enough protein also helps keep that human growth hormone elevated, which is a muscle-preserving hormone. Is that correct?
1: Yes, and that's one of the interesting things about keto is that you can do really two types of keto which I talk about all the time which is sort of the the sort of more moderated protein where you have the protective effects of ketones, which are anti-catabolic. So you can still get away if you're doing keto with eating less protein, if your goal is different than say getting lean or you've already achieved the level of leanness that you want to and you don't want to be eating as much protein, you can eat less. And like I said, you can get away with that because you have this you know, anti-catabolic effect, but you can also do this modified keto, which is higher protein if your goal is really getting, getting, getting lean, losing body fat. So it kind of depends on what you're optimizing for at the moment, but keto itself, you know, to me really is this, you know, the, the state in which of ketogenesis of where you are, you know, generating new ketones from burning your own body fat. And it's a state in the body that you can really thrive in. You know, you get all these wonderful effects. We always talk about from keto, but you can do it either by doing a ketogenic diet with these you know, traditional macros that people often talk about, or you can do it with a combination of burning your body fat and dietary fat. Mm. And that's sort of this modified higher protein keto.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the initial studies on keto were really done on kids that were having seizures. And what they found was they needed this really high fat, low protein, very low carbohydrate diet in order to get the ketones elevated high enough to where it shut down the inflammatory pathways in the brain and and was created more neuro stability for these kids, and so it was really a therapeutic diet for you know kids that have uncontrollable seizures, but you know you can't really necessarily use that research to then uh, find the best diet for everybody else, and so um, so yeah so for certain conditions seizures or certain types of cancers where we may want a lower amount of protein um you know your traditional macros for keto at least when i was originally learning keto it was something like 65 to 70% of your calories coming from fat 20 to 25% from protein and then about 5 to maybe 10% for certain individuals of your calories typically about 5% coming from carbohydrates and when i first learned about keto that's what i was teaching as well but i noticed that i felt better consuming more protein Um, And I wasn't really focused on counting macros. So, for me personally, in my daily life, even though I was teaching that sort of uh, standard, I wasn't counting macros. And when I finally counted macros, I realized, gosh, I'm eating like 130, 150 grams of protein a day. And that's when I feel my best. Right. And so, it was really a higher protein uh, version of of the ketogenic diet. And I was in ketosis because You know, the rest of my diet was mostly healthy fats and maybe some berries, you know, things like that. And I was very active and I was intermittent fasting as well. Um, But that's what I just found from my own, um, you know, personal experience. And I think, uh, you know, you and and several other people were some of the first that kind of helped break out of that mold that, hey, we need to be in this box of, you know, 20 to 25% protein. If you do too much protein, the idea was if you ate too much protein, the protein would turn into sugar. And I know you, with your biochemistry background, you know, that's not actually true.
1: That's why I actually, that was the main reason that I went back to school was to study gluconeogenesis (laughs) because I found it so confusing when other people talked about it. And like you said, it's kind of the primary reason why people are told to moderate protein. And it is true that, you know, there's a lot of debate over whether gluconeogenesis, which is the genesis of new glucose, is a demand or supply driven process there's a lot of debate about that and just that debate motivated motivated me enough to go back to study it so that I could understand it myself there's still a lot of debate you know i have experts on the podcast who are experts in lipids and in in protein and they both still debate whether this process is supply or demand driven however you know it, it is really the main reason as you said that people are told to restrict or moderate the protein low but there are certain things that really define the state of ketogenesis and the main one is the control of carbohydrate intake and you can see that people will enter ketogenesis when they do extended fasting because you know, they are completely limiting their carbohydrate intake. And so you can see some of the same processes happening where people get into ketosis. And I've been able to get into ketosis and stay in ketosis, even though I don't eat, you know, 200 grams of fat per day. Mm -hmm. And I am fueled from my own body fat. And so I'm making those ketones from my own body fat, and I'm getting adequate fat in from my diet to maintain healthy hormones. But, you know, if your goal is to get lean and you're eating excessive amounts of fat you won't get there it, if you are eating so much fat that you're not creating a caloric deficit and you know you really still need to maintain some kind of deficit if your goal is to lose fat and that's why so many people come to keto is because yeah. they want to lose weight it's not the goal for everyone so you know that's why i always go back to goals and what it is that you're optimizing for but you know that traditional keto diet if you get to your goal, say your goal is to be at 19% body fat and you get there and then you decide that you want to maintain, if you enjoy higher protein, you know, you can still do that and you just need to take in more calories from either healthy fats, healthy carbs, or any combination of those, you know, or you can do keto if you prefer that lifestyle. I personally don't, I don't like eating fat. Like I, the thought of eating a stick of butter is just, yeah. it makes me nauseous. Like I can't, I just like protein. So you have to find, you know, what works best for you and what you think you can sustain over a long-term lifestyle, because that ultimately I think is what makes keto so successful for so many people is they enjoy it. And, you know, whether that's doing you know, very high protein, very low protein. It's just, you're eating healthy fats and you're integrating those into your life more than say, if you're doing a high carb, like zero fat diet, which is like not sustainable for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, for sure. So when in your programs about how many grams of protein or or how does somebody set up their macros? Like what, what should they be looking for there?
1: Yeah. So I, there's two main programs that I recommend to people when they're starting. So the first is the original 20 day challenge, and that does have traditional keto macros. But for most people who are coming from a standard American diet or high carb Western style diet, they do successfully train their bodies to burn fat and they get off of like processed foods and carbs. It's a great place to go. If you're someone who feels like you don't have any structure, you're out of control, you're eating a lot of carb, you feel like you're addicted to carbs and sugar. You know, it gets People off carbohydrates into eating a lot of healthy fats and a lot of healthy fats that come in protein in our you know, main protein foods. So it helps people to do that. I also have the higher protein keto, which is this modified, you know, higher protein keto that we talked about. And that is, you know, closer to an average amount of around 90 to 100 grams of protein for most people who do my program are women. So that's a really good number for most women to get every day, just to make sure that they are triggering muscle protein synthesis at about three different times in the day, three meals in the day. And those are the two main programs that work really well for my clients. And some of them, you know, I always ask, how do you prefer to eat? Do you prefer to eat more keto style or do you prefer to eat more higher protein? And whichever, you know, method they prefer is usually the one that they're going to, you know, do well on long-term.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you said 90 to 100 grams typically. So I've heard that hitting about 30 grams of protein, um, you know, in a meal, is kind of the the critical threshold yes. somewhere around there to help turn on protein uh, synthesis. Is that correct, or or muscle? Yes, synthesis, I should say.
1: Yes. Yeah. So the muscle protein synthesis will be triggered by the leucine threshold, which is when you know two. It's about two and a half to three grams of leucine. Increases in your blood. So when that amino acid of leucine, that increases by two, two point five to three grams in the blood, it triggers muscle protein synthesis. And then you have to eat all the other, you know, amino acids with it in order to then build the muscle. So you know, you trigger that muscle protein synthesis like you know, sort of turning the ignition in the car. And then all the other amino acids that you eat with that whole protein will then initiate the actual process of building the muscle. And so just as you said. Around 30 grams of protein tends to do that, but there is some variation between foods. So I like to post, um, I have one uh, image on my Instagram, which shows the actual amounts, quantities of each food, you know, so for beef, you know, it, it's like around five to six ounces for chicken, you know, five to six ounces. If you're doing a whey protein or egg white protein, then it's just 30 grams because Uh, whey protein or egg white protein is about 10% leucine. So it depends on which food like Mm -hmm. fish or beef or chicken. Sometimes you need more or less, but around 30 grams per meal is a great target for people to have if they're doing three meals a day.
0: Yeah, that's good to know. Leucine is in a a family of amino acids called the branch chain amino acids. And it's really the critical one. Uh, There's three of them, valine, isoleucine, and leucine. It's the critical one that really drives the mTOR growth pathway muscle growth pathway in the body and the mTOR pathway gets a really bad rap especially when it comes to aging um cancer things like that but it is really critical as well and we kind of need to have a good on off switch for the mTOR pathway when the on off switch is working well then our body's going to be able to function really well and when it's not Um, When we keep it off all the time, or we keep it on all the time, that's when we have problems. And so, being able to regulate that that leucine threshold is a key component of it.
1: Yes, a lot of people have misplaced fears about mTOR, and you know, it's it hasn't really been, you know, proven in the research that that is something that people should fear. Uh, For most, for the most part, though, you know, what you are saying makes sense. So, if you are triggering mTOR, you're sort of in this anabolic or building mode. Um I like to look at it as sort of the balance between, you know, being in the fed state and the fasted state. So yeah. anytime you eat food at all, you know, you are in an anabolic or a building mode and you know when you're in the fed fasted state, you're in sort of this catabolic mode and it's that balance between the two that I find people really Easily migrate to when they're doing keto because they become very satiated from eating real food. They eat a lot of real protein, healthy fats, and naturally fast between meals, stop snacking, naturally just you know stop eating around 6 or 7 p.m. And so there's adequate time in that, you know, fasted state where you can balance that like building, like you were saying, in that that breakdown. I think the problem happens when people are, you know, eating. Every couple of hours throughout the day, you know, even if it's like a, a latte or some kind of drink, you know, you're just eating food or you're consuming something constantly throughout the day. And there's no time for the body to ever go into that fasted state. And so that balance is really thrown off. And I think that that really has more to do with some of the fears that people have around mTOR is just that you're constantly, like you said, you're turning that light switch on and on and on and you're never giving it a break.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because when you give it a break, that's when your body can uh, go through autophagy, which is basically yes. breaking down the old damaged proteins in the cells. So we really need to do that. So um, I don't—I'm not sure how how big you're into intermittent fasting, but uh, you know, for everybody, I, I'm typically recommending at least 14 hours overnight to start to get some yes. of that cellular cleanup. And I find that when you're satiated with the protein, you know, the healthy fats really becomes pretty easy. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes, absolutely. And research has shown that you get enough autophagy just from intermittent fasting, from eating adequate protein, from doing exercise. Uh, You know, you get that protein turnover just from those things. And you don't necessarily need to do like these long water fasts and things, you know, to get autophagy. There's a little bit Um, There's some myths out there about that, that you're not going to get autophagy unless you do like a three-day fast or something. Um, That definitely takes autophagy to the next level, but you get enough autophagy, like you said, if you're just, you know, doing intermittent fasting. I do like an 18-hour usually um, intermittent fast every day, and I have a six-hour eating window, and I have three meals in that time to maximize Muscle protein synthesis. If you know, I added a fourth meal in, I'd probably maximize it even more, but um, then I would have a longer eating window. So to me, that's you know, it's all about finding the balance between the two.
0: I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about C60 Purple Power. It is one of my new favorite supplements, and it's really the most powerful antioxidant that I found to help lift the oxidative burden at the cellular level. It basically acts like a free radical sponge that helps your body heal itself by optimizing mitochondrial efficiency. You see, your mitochondria will produce energy within all the cells. The healthier your mitochondria function, the healthier you are going to function. Taking C60 has been shown to help promote longevity, fight inflammation, boost immune function, support healthy aging, healthy joints, and increase your energy and mental clarity naturally. My favorite brand of C60 is C60 Purple Power, which offers 99.99% pure sublimated carbon 60 that's never been exposed to solvents, and it's delivered in 100% certified organic oils. They've got it in avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, MCT coconut oil and they will also have some unique flavors like cinnamon and orange flavored. It's amazing. You guys will love it. Most users notice an increase in energy and mental clarity after 30 days of daily use. Just take a teaspoon a day and you can add it into your routine whenever it's most convenient. Guys, to check out C60 Purple Power, go to shopc60.com forward slash jockers And use the coupon code JOCKERS, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, at checkout for 15% off. Again, that's shopc60.com forward slash JOCKERS. Use the coupon code JOCKERS at checkout for 15% off today. Yeah, and I think what you just said right there is a really great cycle because when you're in that fasted state, you're basically suppressing that mTOR pathway. I think about it like a slinky. It's like, like my kids actually just got slinkies for Christmas. So, so when you have a slinky, you're cocking the slinky, right? So you're actually like, you're, you're creating more potential energy, but it's not actually moving. In fact, you know, it's actually being, um, you know, it's contracting right. In a sense it's, uh, it's, it's shrinking, but you've got this potential energy that's there. And then, um, when you let go, obviously it, it it shoots up to the next step, right? If you're doing it on steps. Well, I, I look at mTOR the same way. You want to suppress it, but in a sense, you're kind of cocking it to where it can really explode, but for a short period of time in order for you to get the necessary um, anabolic components, right? The muscle protein synthesis components. So what I like to do personally is I like to do... You know something like what you're saying, 17, 18 hour fast, exercise. When exercise actually helps stimulate autophagy and also primes mTOR as well, and then break that uh, that fast with high protein meals, right? In a, in you know, I typically am eating in a six hour eating window as well, and then then you're going to get this great, uh, you know, muscle muscle building uh, effect that comes with it. Cause you're adding in the exercise along with the fasting, your human growth hormone um, is at its highest level because you're fasting and exercise, right? Both of those components really help stimulate that growth hormone and put you in that anabolic state. But you, again, you got, when you break your fast, you got to do it with the high protein.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great approach. I think, you know, some people prefer to exercise fasted and I know like if I'm doing like a really intense workout, I tend to have more energy, you know, in my workout if I do it fasted. Um, I've also sort of found that doing it in between the first and second meal, it can be really helpful for optimizing muscle growth. So, you know, having that first meal with about 20 grams of protein and then having a workout and then meal, 40 grams of protein and all of that being within a five to six, eating window, um, I've read that that has been, you know, that can be optimal for building muscle. So I guess it just depends on, you know, what your schedule is like. And if you prefer to work out fasted or you prefer to work out fed, um, there isn't really a ton of difference, uh, you know, between the two.
0: Yeah. I personally just feel a lot better. If I've got something in my stomach, (laughs) I'm not going to get the same level of intensity, but yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about this new device that you created as well, this tone device, and what, what the inspiration was behind that, and the science.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I really love providing tools for people to make all of this easier. So that's you know what I do every day, like with my cookbook or the meal plans or just the podcast. I'm trying to provide tools for people to integrate these you know science based teachings into their lives, and you know I've benefited so much from them in my life. So, you know, just like you have, you just want to share them. And, uh, a few years ago I came across, um, I think it was, uh, the levels, yeah, levels, it, breath device. Levels. And, uh, I saw, you know, that, uh, it was measuring acetone and, uh, it was telling people if they were sort of like burning carbs or fat and I got goosebumps like all over my body. I was like, this is amazing. This is what I want to be doing. Like I felt like I this is what I needed to be doing in, in my career. So I kind of dropped some of the projects that I was working on at the time and just put all my energy and focus into this. And it's taken me, I guess it's been about three years now, just between two and a half and three years now to uh, get the first version out now. So that is this. Uh, the first version is this, this one, it's the, the tone device and it is a non-invasive way to just test your breath acetone. And what's really interesting about breath acetone is for one, it's a ketone. Everyone knows there's three different forms of ketones. So there's beta hydroxybutyrate, which is sort of the storage form of ketones. And that can spontaneously combust into acetoacetate and acetone and a lot of people, you know, measure their ketones in the blood, but what I've always found, you know, I guess, uh, to be a drawback to that is that you're only able to measure what's left over in your blood. You can't measure what you're liver has generated and you can't measure how much you've used you're getting a snapshot of what's circulating uh you know it's the same thing as when you test your blood sugar you're getting a snapshot of what's circulating but you have no idea how much insulin your body's released or glucagon like it's it's giving you like a little bit of insight but i always wanted to you know be able to add more tools to to understand it more and with the acetone you are testing a different form of the ketone which is one that your body is excreting and there's a lot of theories that it's a better indicator of usage of ketones. And so, you know, at least it gives you kind of a different insight into your ketone utilization. But the other thing that's interesting about it is that people, not just people on keto, but people doing any kind of diet who are, have some kind of caloric restriction will expel acetone. So you can use it, to know if your body is burning fat, and that's very similar to what the levels does when it tells people if they're burning carbs or fat, it's just basing it on acetone. So this meter does the same thing. And what I love about it is it's very portable. It's non invasive, so you don't have to, you know, prick puncture your <laughs> your skin to yeah. find out what's going on. So that means you can do it an unlimited amount of times in the day, and you also don't have to go like In the bathroom or, you know, hide somewhere to do it because if you're in public or at an airport or restaurant and you start, you know, pricking your finger, it's, it's just not the most um, casual thing to start doing. But with this, you can pull it out anywhere and you can test yourself and how I've been using it is to really dial in my fat burning and see like what's working because because I can test so much, I can see what happens when I eat this combination of foods. What happens when I work out in the morning or at night, or when I do a hike versus high intensity interval training. And so you start to get these trends and and a lot of data that can tell you, you know, if you are burning fat and if you're not, you know, based on on the results.
0: Yeah, that is great, Vanessa. And there are other breath uh, acetone measuring devices, but they're kind of clunky. You mentioned the levels. Um, it's very challenging to use. It's not very user-friendly. There's the ketonics, which I have and I've endorsed and used for years, but it's like you got to hook it all up to your computer and this and that. And so, um, you know, you're really simplifying it where it's just a very, those of you guys that are listening on the podcast and aren't seeing the video, she just pulled it up, but it's like this very small little device. I mean, it looks like the almost, you know, maybe a little thicker, but like the size of your finger. Uh, more or less and uh, so it's just very very simple easy thing um, that you can be bringing with you doesn't doesn't weigh much you can keep it in your pocket if you want pull it out at any time um, you know and 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 use it and really all it is is just what one one long breath or how, how do you uh, yes. actually use it
1: so I can I can show you and I can talk about it here um, but it some of the advantage of advantages of it is that it's only a 20 second calibration so the devices initially need a little bit of time to warm up the sensor and it can take you know quite a bit of time with some meters this one takes about 20 seconds which i find Mm -hmm. is just enough time to kind of like if you're doing something and i'll show you here So, right now, my reading is 12, Mm -hmm. which is 12 KET units. And that is somewhat equivalent to 1.2 millimolar, but they are not exactly the same. They can't be equated because it's a different form of ketone. And it tells me next to it that I'm in the fat burning zone. So, the screen itself, tells you which zone you're in which is something that i saw a lot of other devices didn't do they kind of give people data but they didn't necessarily tell them if they're like burning fat or if they are like so this one has uh three different you know ranges the first is like no ketones just zero uh, the second is a light fat burning, which is sort of light ketosis, and then the fat burning zone, which is you know optimal ketosis. So you know, you know, based on that, and then it quantifies it with a number, so you can tell like if you're higher or lower. Uh, in that zone. Another thing about it, aside from the 22nd warm warm-up, is its battery charge lasts a really long time. So I usually charge mine once a month. Um, some people, you know, who have other devices, they have to charge them once a day. Right. So, you know, that makes a big difference. Like if you're having to plug it in all the time. But, you know, one thing I will say is my device is different in that it's just a wellness device. Some of the other ones on the market, they are medical grade devices. They're meant and designed to be used in a clinical setting. Mine is not. So it's more the wellness brand, you know, the wellness device version of that. It's not as sophisticated as some of the other ones out there, but that's also reflected in its cost. So, you know, I wanted something to be a little bit more accessible for people. It is a sophisticated technology, but without breaking the bank, um, you know, if you don't need that sort of clinical level, if you're not using it for a medical uh, condition, you're just using it for wellness and for feedback and data. Yeah.
0: And have you tried matching it up with your blood ketones at all?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I try to post a lot of those in my stories to yeah. show people. So what's really interesting about it is it the breath tends to be higher than the blood from what I've noticed. Uh, but it also tends to have a little bit of a lag behind the blood. So sometimes it'll be like I had really high ketones uh, this one night after I did the launch for the for the tone because I didn't sleep. <laughs> I woke up, I had millimolar blood ketones Mm. because I was just like on adrenaline and I really didn't sleep the whole night. And I tested the breath and it was 56. So a lot of times it's like exactly on the mark, like for what you're measuring, but then other times like this morning, you know on here I had 16, which is 1.6, but my blood ketones were 0.6. So because it is a different ketone, they shouldn't be the same. Uh, but it does sort of generally tend to follow, like you know, what you're seeing reflected in the blood. If you are right. burning fat, you know, you should see it in both, but they're they they shouldn't be the same. Um, you know, but it is really interesting right. to test. Because that. acetone <laughs> is
0: the byproduct, so it's kind of the waste more of the waste product so beta hydroxybutyrate would go up then it would get into the cell right be used for energy and then acetone would be coming out after so is that correct that's why there's the lag yeah so therefore there's the lag so when your your acetone is up it's a sign that your body's been utilizing those ketones if your blood ketones are up it's a sign that's like more or less like a potential energy right? It's not actually been used yet. It's yes. more potential energy that your body can then use.
1: Yes. And, you know, I think some of the other things that I found, you know, just helpful with it in general is a lot of people have, you know, said that some of the other devices, they don't, they're not as sensitive at low levels. And that's, so that's something that we really worked on here is to make it very sensitive to low levels of acetone. So yeah. it's, it's very precise. Another aspect to it is that, you know, because you're getting this feedback, you know, from the breath and the blood and, you know, you have this lag, it can kind of tell you sometimes like more in terms of what you're doing in terms of your exercise and also your fat burning, because I get a lot of people who tell me, you know, I've been doing keto for so long. I never get above like 0.5 millimolar. That's the highest I see, but You know, if they are doing, you know, keto properly or they're in a caloric deficit, you know, they will see that reflected in terms of being in in light fat burning or in the fat burning zone on here. So I think that's a frustration that a lot of people have, you know, is that they just never see those numbers that they want to see and they just don't get that feedback. And I think it's not the fault of of those other devices or of measuring, you know, this other form of ketone. It's just that when you're measuring the blood, like you said, it's a storage form or it's showing what's left over, but it's not able to give you that indication of what's being used. So it's just a different kind of measurement that can give you different insight.
0: Somebody could have high blood sugar and high insulin and their ketones, you know, maybe they take exogenous ketones or something like that and their ketones go up but they're not actually using them for energy because in order to use them for energy, you have to have lower insulin levels, right? There's a certain threshold that we all have. And when that insulin level is high, it's over that threshold, you're not going to utilize the ketones. And so um, and unfortunately at this point, we don't have a test, a quick test where you can test your blood uh, insulin levels, your fat, your, you know, where your insulin That'd is. Be so, amazing. Yeah, exactly. So this right here is looking at Basically, how well your body is utilizing ketones for fuel, not how much ketones are actually circulating in your blood?
1: yes, that's that's generally the idea, and that's sort of the the theory out there. i you know, I think that we still have so much to learn about mm-hmm. measuring our blood sugar. Like you said, we still don't know what insulin's doing, measuring ketones. You know, a lot of the times we we you know get this data and this insight, and we we think we know what it means. Sometimes we do. Sometimes it's just guesswork, but it's all just giving us more insight into what's happening in the body. And I think that's, what's so important is just, you know, you can do different things and test yourself and see, you know, what you get. Like I like to, when I'm feeling really, really good, you know, I have like effortless energy. I feel really light in my body. I feel great. You know, whatever it is, I've got a lot of mental clarity. I like to then test myself in those times. What are those numbers? Because that kind of gives me insight into, you know, what level of ketosis or what should my blood sugar be or what are my breath ketones doing that when I feel so great and kind of like journaling that and then knowing that that's kind of like an optimal place for you and just using that feedback in that way.
0: Yeah, it's so powerful. Biofeedback, right? I, You know, I always tell people really, the path to, to getting healthy and having great health throughout the course of your life is almost like getting a master's degree in your own health. You really need to be listening <laughs> That's and, so true and, and discover. You're going to discover more about your own body and your your you know by getting data and biofeedback, like you know this device provides, and and basing it around how you feel, how your mood is, your mental clarity, your energy levels, your sleep quality, all those kinds of things help you really fine tune and understand what's going to work best for you. So. I think that's great. Now, um, when we're looking at the measurements there, you said there's light fat burning, there's, uh, and then there's the fat burning state. Is that correct? So, like, is it over ten would be the fat burning state, or is it over five?
1: So, if you if there's no ketones detected, yeah, it'll say zero, and it won't make a sound. There's no audible sound if there's no ketones, so you know right away that you're not producing any acetone mm-hmm. then the second zone is light for fat burning which is 1 to 9
0: 1 to 9 That's nine the second like
1: zone that. and then the second or the third zone would be the fat burning zone which is sort of like 10 and above and so you know most people don't go higher than 40 or 50 it's the same with the blood ketones like in a deep fast you know you might see those like higher 4 5 6 numbers but you know most people kind of top out there. So, uh, that's kind of the, yeah, the three ranges that it, that it goes in, but the screen tells you which range you're in. And so then you can use the numbers to kind of give you an idea of like, what's like a higher level of fat burning for you, you know, what's a lower level. Um, and what's really interesting is like testing myself and my husband, because he is not keto. He's kind of low carb, Mm -hmm because he's been home with me mostly, you know, since we had the baby, he's been eating just the food that I make for him. And he's been like eating a lot less processed food, a lot less fast food, you know, convenience food. And he, we tend to kind of fall into these similar numbers. So I'm like between 15 and 25, 26. Yeah. And that's, I'm usually when I read, do a reading, I'm like 15, 16 or 25, 26. And he is always four. (laughs) Like he's always four. It's, it's amazing. We've done hundreds of tests (laughs) and, you know, sometimes he'll get like, we get really excited. He'll get like a five or like a seven. If like we've done a big workout or something. Um, but it's amazingly consistent. And I Mm -hmm. think it just has so much to do with how precise, you know, the body is and how efficient the body is. And, and that's another drawback to measuring blood ketones is, you know, people sometimes see higher numbers at the beginning, and then they don't see them as high later, because there's this efficiency, you know, that your body wants to generate exactly how many ketones it thinks that you need, it doesn't want to overproduce them at the beginning, it can overproduce them. Uh, but with the breath, it doesn't seem to do that. So, you know, like, with Pete, he's got barely any ketones, but he always sees you know, it reflected, he never gets a zero because he's doing low carb and with, he does intermittent fasting, but it's, it's amazingly how precise the body is that it like, it finds kind of its sweet spot and then it just stays there. And then the numbers only change if you kind of like switch things up. Um, like if he did a long, you know, like if he fasted for like eight hours or something, then he'll see a change, but it's remarkably consistent,
0: well, that's great to know. And people can find this at com. Is that correct?
1: Yes, com, and also at ketogenicgirl.com. And so this is the first version, which is the white and gold. Mm-hmm. And it has a pink logo on it, but there is a black and gold one coming soon. Uh that's going to be available for pre-order, I think, in the next week. And that's going to be available in February to march and there's also a black and rose gold so i'm working on some new colors i'd like to also make a black and silver um because i know this one is kind of like it's a little feminine, a little feminine. Uh, it's a little <laughs> uh, it's, it's a yeah. little girly like you know most of my audience um are women but yeah. i kind of you know wanted to come out with this one first but i do have a black you know two black ones that are coming that um, are a little bit less sort of like pink (laughs) feminine looking. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited for those versions and I'm going to keep coming out with some new things. I'm working on an app as well. So this one does not have Bluetooth on it and that's something that if I would have put Bluetooth integration into it, it would have taken another couple of years. So I Mm -hmm. wanted to just come out with this version and there's something nice about not connecting to an app or a computer, <laughs> you know you sure. you can you can record your own data. It does have records in it, up to sixty four records. But you know you don't have to turn anything else on, you know, to use it. And I kind of like that. But I do have other developments um, in store for it.
0: Well, that is great, Vanessa. It seems like a, a great device. I'll have to get one of those and uh, try it out. Try it out with my wife as well and see see what we what we're finding, what we're recording for you. Um, so that'd I think that be, awesome. be great. Now, let's talk about like your daily diet. Like, what are some of your favorite foods? How are you doing your meal timing, your exercise? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, I'd love to answer that. So, every day is pretty much the same for me. I tend to have my first meal around noon. I usually just have like a coffee before that. And I eat. Really high protein. For the most part, I get about 100 to 140 grams of protein in a day. And I spread that out over three meals. So I actually used to do two meals for a really long time, but I've added in a third meal, which is a protein shake, just to be able to trigger muscle protein synthesis one extra time Mm -hmm. in that eating window. Uh, So I have a first meal, which is usually like a typical breakfast with eggs and I make a lot of uh, Maria Emmerich's protein bread I just love it it's really easy just with egg whites and uh, I make a lot of sandwiches and stuff with that Uh, second meal is usually my protein shake which is unsweetened almond milk a cup of frozen berries usually egg white protein powder a scoop of that and some ice and for dinner we do a lot of steak Um, either beef or salmon is usually what we're having um, sometimes chicken And, you know, I'm mostly carnivore-ish, like I don't eat a lot of like vegetable sides and things with it. If it's something that I want, I tend to gravitate more towards that in the summer, like asparagus and salads and things. But in the winter, I just don't have the same craving for it. So I just mostly just eat, you know, like salmon or beef or chicken. Um, And it keeps things really simple for me too, especially... Right now with with Luca, <laughs> it's a lot easier. Yeah, um, yeah to skip on that. I and mean, I just make sure I get the nutrient density in there. I eat a lot of liver as well. I make turkey liver pate and and have you know liver a couple times a month to make sure that you know I'm getting all the nutrients there. Yeah. Um, you know, which you know, just focusing on that nutrient dense food really really works well for me. And I feel satiated all the time, and um, it's really awesome. It's really been working well for me.
0: So that's great. So your typical meals are between 12 and six, like you said, high protein. Um, and then how are you doing your exercise? How are you structuring your exercise? I know you're not sleeping because you got a newborn, but
1: (laughs) yeah, I, so right now I actually just started working out again because everything's been so busy with launching the tone and with Luca. Mm -hmm. Um, but I realized that if I put my exercise mat in the living room, I can work out when he's doing like floor time, tummy time and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of fun. Like my husband and I, we have, you know, two workout mats and we have uh, our dumbbells. And sometimes when we're watching him or one of us is watching him, the other one will get like a 20 minute workout. And I just do bodyweight exercises, push ups, squats. I have a couple of dumbbells to so do lunges and, you know, just all the body weight exercises that I can do. Sometimes it's a 20 minute workout. Sometimes it's like 10 and 10, you know, it's like whatever I can get in when I'm, you know, sort of watching him or taking a break, but I'd like to get back to something more structured, which is more like I used to do like a full 40 minutes, you know, workout, but it'll come with time. Um, and right now it's more like, you know, just a speed workout. Sometimes I do squats, holding Luca and add the extra 20 pounds, you know, um, like a baby workout. So that that helps too. And I just kind of get it in, you know, where I can. Um, But you can, you know, you can improve your body composition, even if you don't really have much time to go to a gym or do anything like that. Like I really saw great results when I was studying and I was sitting all day and I I didn't really have time to work out because Mm -hmm. I was prioritizing protein. Um, you know, I was still able to bring my body fat percentage down considerably in that time. So, you know, I think it's good for people to know, even if you just have time for like two workouts a week, three workouts a week, you can, you know, really see results. If you are pairing that with that, that protein prioritizing.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well this has been a great interview, Vanessa, and uh, you know really excited for the the launch here with the uh, the tone device. seems like a real great breakthrough in this space. It's going to help a lot of people understand their fat burning state. Again, I think a lot of the other devices out there are great and I've used them for years, but um, the user friendliness of them is is certainly lacking. and um, this is this is an area, this is a wide open area in this space to create something that people can, use that's quick that's easy that's portable and uh, ultimately if people have other devices but they're not using them they're not really doing them any good so um, so you know I want to just take a moment and acknowledge you for that for the great work that you're doing and guys you can follow her as well um, she's got a great podcast She's a fast keto podcast is that correct yep yes, and then ketogenic girl where are you at on your socials Where 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 can people find you
1: yeah, I'm most active on Instagram yeah. at ketogenic girl. And on Facebook, the page is the ketogenic girl. Uh, and I have a couple of Facebook groups, which are really fun, fast keto podcast and the 20 day challenge one. So uh, we do a lot of discussion around protein and testing and all of that in those groups. So it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Well, great job getting the word out, helping so many people all around the world. I really appreciate your time today. It's been a great interview. Thanks so much. And guys, we'll see you on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on, or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go.